Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Wednesday, November the 25th of 2020. We find ourselves a day before uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, if the Lord allows it, bearing anything drastic changing in the next hours a day, we look forward to being with our families and being grateful and thankful for all that God has done. Uh, so we are excited, and we want to welcome you. We want to welcome all of our listeners. We want to welcome you to our um, to this uh, podcast. We um, understand how important it is, especially in such an hour, uh, to come together. So we are honored that you could join us and fellowship with us and be able to glean from the Word of God uh, prophetically in what God is saying in such an hour like this. And uh, just want to remind you what we've been telling you this whole week. Uh, uh, we the next few days there will be no podcast Thursday and Friday, bearing anything you know that causes us to go back. We're going to be with our families as we hope you are with your families. But Lord willing, we plan to be back with you on Monday, uh, uh, Lord willing, and, and continue on our journey. But we want to wish each and every one of you a happy Thanksgiving to you and your families. And let you know that we love you. Most of you probably don't know, but uh, we know you by the Spirit. <laughs> and so we pray for you, and we desire God's blessing and, and, and over your lives. Today in our panel, uh, we have Brother Marty and Brother Fernando joining us. And as always, it's always an honor to be able to study the Word of God together. So, Brother Marty, I'm looking forward to today's uh, special that we have, uh, we call it the Thanksgiving special today, and I know God has a word that God has placed in your heart, so we'll give it to you to share it as we study the word of God together. Amen. Looking forward to today. We're so happy as we continue in this Thanksgiving week celebration, the most unique time, and uh, we truly have been seeking the Lord over what, what it is the Lord would have us to share, and we believe that he's put some things in our heart to give you today and hopefully have you think and reflect about as we continue to over the remainder of this Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, so we want to get right into it. And uh, and we're going to ask Brother Jeremy if he would uh, open his Bible uh, to Second Chronicles, the book of Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. And we're going to begin reading in, let me see here. Let's, let's begin by reading uh, verse uh, chapter 30, excuse me, of Second Chronicles, verse 13 through 15, and we'll begin our discussion for the day. We pray that you'll have your Bibles with us, uh, with you, and 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 join along with us as we uh, as we go into our Thanksgiving message uh, for today. And brother Jeremy, would you do so, please? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And just to confirm, verse 13 and verse 14 or 12 or 13, I'm sorry. Uh, 13 through 15. Okay. Amen. 13, 14, and 15. Amen. Amen. And there assembled at Jerusalem much people to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the second month, a very great congregation. And they arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. And all the altars for incense took they away and cast them into the brook Kidron. 
Then they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the second month. And the priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought in the burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. Praise God. I like what it says there. Uh, uh, and there assembled at Jerusalem much people to keep the feast of unleavened bread, a very great congregation. Praise God. You know, as we said yesterday, we celebrate Thanksgiving um, this week and tomorrow, the official day. But really, it's a, it's a week of celebration and reflection. And and we're doing so right now at a time of, of great unease, great you know, uncertainty in our nation. And, you know, there are many, many people that are wondering what lies ahead. And it, and it seems like, you know, darkness has been marching through the land, obviously, not to state the obvious, but many are asking the question, uh, is there yet any good to be found at this time as we head to Thanksgiving? What is it that we are thankful for? What is it Beyond the obvious, when we look into the realm of the spirit, what do we see? And that's what we want to talk about today. You know, as we reflect today, uh, we drew upon the inspiration uh, from the events recorded uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 29 through 30. It was the days of King Hezekiah, in many ways a foreshadow of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and also the Lord's second coming. So let us look at these days and let us see what the Spirit will say to us now. I believe, and we say this humbly so, that the Holy Spirit is, is giving us this message today, at least drawing our attention to it. So we ask the grace of the Lord that the door would be open for all of us to hear and, and be inspired, really, uh, as we get into this, uh, of what the Lord is saying and what the Spirit is saying to the true church in this hour with that in mind, Brother Jeremy, I want to begin reading today again as we begin our discussion, just to lay the foundation here in Hezek in uh, excuse me, Second Chronicles uh, chapter twenty nine. And can you read a, that passage of scripture between verse one and five, and we'll start talking a little bit here. Amen. Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old, and he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street and said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. My, my. Well, today we want to bring hope to the Lord's people during during these times, and specifically as we give thanks uh, with our loved ones during during these times, and, and specifically this Thanksgiving week. And we want to look 
at what, what the Holy Spirit is revealing here and apply it to our times because we believe this is what the Lord is saying. So let's, let's look at this. You know, King Hezekiah, uh, as Brother Jeremy identified him in chapter 29 here, he came to power uh, in a very, very dark time. The leadership of his father had brought the nation, uh, you know, the, the church of that day, really, into a place of absolute gross idolatry and desecration of the house of the Lord. Brother Jeremy, can you read that to us? A, a, a little description is given to us there of this, of this Ahaz was his name, uh, Hezekiah's father. Could you read that in chapter 28, verse, uh, let's see, 19 through 23? Yes. For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord. And Tilgoth Pilsnesser, king of Assyria, came unto him and distressed him, but strengthened him not. For Ahaz took away portion out of the house of the Lord and out of the house of the king and of the princes and gave it unto the king of Assyria. But he helped him not. And in the time of his distress did he trespass yet more against the Lord, that is, the king Ahaz. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, therefore will I sacrifice to them, that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. My goodness. That is the generation uh, that preceded Hezekiah, his father Ahaz, under his spiritual leadership uh, and, and his political leadership. Uh, it, it really it reminds me of much of what, it, what it's like today <laughs> and what we've been seeing for many decades in America. Uh, what we learn in verse 20 and 21, what Brother Jeremy just read there, uh, it's, a, it's a totally worldly leadership. And notice uh, what he was, uh, he was looking for help uh, by political advantage through his compromise. Now, we have to understand something because we're speaking spiritually here and applying these, these truths, these foreshadows of end-time events, really. Uh, to our time at this Thanksgiving season, because we find ourselves like this. You know, this is a leadership Ahaz that sought, again, to, to cut covenant with political power. And it's represented by the king of Assyria in verse 20, right? And and uh, Tilgath uh, Pelneser, king of Assyria, came to him, distressing him, but he wouldn't strengthen him. You know, he sought to be strengthened under this Assyrian ruler. And Assyria was also a global state of its time. And in many ways, it's the spirit of Antichrist. We ain't got time to get into all that today other than to simply put it out there for you. You can read more about it in Isaiah chapter 10 and 11, Isaiah 24 and 25, all through there, when the Antichrist and his global system is represented by uh, <clears throat> the Assyrian or the Assyrian Empire or the one they call the Assyrian. And and in verse 21, it says that he helped him, uh, in verse 20, I'm sorry, it says he strengthened him not. He helped him not. And so they find no help in the world. And then verse 22 says, can you read verse 22 again, Brother Jeremy? 
Yes. And in the time of his distress did he trespass yet more against the Lord, that is, that king Ahaz. Yes, in the time of his stress, he, he trespassed against the Lord. So rather than this, these troublous times that came upon him in during the times of his le leadership, rather than turning to the Lord, he doubled down, really, in verse 23. And, and, and instead of find, finding solutions in his, in his political alliances, uh, it actually brought about instead uh, the bottom of verse 23 where it says, uh, instead they were the ruin of him and they were the ruin of, of Israel. It brought great um, distress, great trouble. It brought trial into the land of God's people. And so what we see here is that it, they were literally in an era of, of utterly failed leadership. And the Bible says that he died. Ahaz died, representing a type of leadership. He died. The era of his utterly failed leadership was ended a leadership that had filled the land with compromise and worldliness, had led the nation into cutting covenant with political powers of this world, and ultimately brought about the ruin of Israel. I consider this, into this most dire of times, uh, the Lord by his grace raises up a new leadership. When it seems really, really bad, he raises up a new leadership found in the form of King Hezekiah. And really, like we were talking about off air, Brother Fernando was mentioning, he's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ as well. So the parallels to our times can be seen. See, the Assyrian Empire was, was the threat that was looming over the horizon when Hezekiah took over leadership. It was growing. And it was a type of the Antichrist, like we said, it's a type of the global system really that is looming in our time and it's into these times that the lord transitions listen pay attention those of you who are just joining us it is it is in these times that the lord transitions to a new spiritual leadership what times brother marty the rise of the assyrians the looming darkness over the land the coming of the global super state represented by the assyrian empire it was into these times that one leadership died, but a new leadership was interjected into the scene in the form of Hezekiah. And they took over, pay attention, when Hezekiah came, they took over at a time when the doors to God's house had been shut. Now listen, would you read to us, Brother Jeremy? Second uh, Chronicles 29, uh, verse 2 and 3. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. So what we have here, and we'll say it again, is that there was a death of the old leadership that had led the nation into the position of being politically tied uh, and not spiritually tied. A rejection of dependence upon God to a rejection upon a system 
that was already being moved in a direction to be overrun completely by the Assyrian Empire, a foreshadow of the end time global reset, if you want to call it, and that coming Antichrist. It is the spirit of it. It He led under his leadership the church of that day into a position of worldliness, into a position of compromise, into a position where they were now so fully compromised that they were, in essence, offering sacrifice to foreign and false gods. They had totally infiltrated the house of God. The result of this leadership, would, uh, which would, which would uh, come up under that leadership, is that the very house of God had been shut, and that leadership died. And then we're told in chapter 29, a transition of leadership occurs up underneath these dire circumstances. And, and, and so what we want to look at is what did King Hezekiah do? Because if you have eyes to see, it's what's going to happen again. And really, it's already begun to happen if you can receive it by the Spirit. And, and I think we'll see this as we go along. So turn your spiritual ears on and listen. What did Hezekiah do? What's the first thing that he did? Because what you're about to see is what has already begun and what is happening right now. What did Hezekiah do, Brother Jeremy? Uh, the first thing he did was what? Open the doors of the house of the Lord, right? That's what he yes. did. Now, now, consider it from this point of view. He did two things. He opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and he repaired them. So I want you to consider this first. At this Thanksgiving season, I want to make this statement. <laughs> and I really haven't laid a good case yet, but I've, or you know, maybe described it as good as I could. But let all the Ahazes of the compromised church know that your rule is over. And your ministries are dead. And, and that a new expression, listen, a new expression and a new spiritual reality is going to happen. And it's already happening. It is not going to be given to the Ahazes of old to reopen the doors of the house of the Lord. It is a new leadership. It is a leadership that is governed by the Spirit of Christ, by the Holy Spirit. This is a work of the Spirit. So just when it seems so dark and when it seems so horrible and when it seems like nobody had their bearings, God, by his grace and moving by his Spirit, brought forth, if you can see it, a transition in the Spirit as it pertains to the spiritual leadership. And when he arrives on the scene, the doors of the house of God are shut much like what has happened right now all across the world. The doors of the house of God have been shut under the pretext of a global reset, under the pretext of, of a pandemic, and just go down the list. That's what we've been experiencing. But what God is revealing here is that it was, for many purposes, the reason that it actually came about was because the previous leadership had led the nation down this path of destruction and ruin and had literally... Uh, brought the blessing of God uh, to a point where it had to be removed. And and I think much of what we've seen happen, and again, I'm talking to spiritual people with spiritual ears, uh, is that we have seen the death of a leadership take place. What is written over their epithet is that when they died, all that could be said and all that their ministries brought us to is that the house of the Lord was shut. And then we have a transition, a new expression. That's what we see in chapter 29. 
Hezekiah comes on the scene. He's a new expression. He's a new spiritual reality. And that's what's going to happen right now. It's not going to be given to the Ahazes of the old to reopen these doors. Going forward, and in many cases, what I'm trying to say right now is in our times, the Lord is going to bypass them. They're dead. They just don't know it. And if you can see it, a new leadership is here. Now, I'm speaking spiritually to those who are spiritual, but, you know, we have entered the final days, and the house of the Lord is now under new management. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. But it's, it's not the management of men, because Hezekiah is the type of Christ, right? It's the management of the Holy Spirit. The doors opened and, and, and repaired are not going to be a return to, quote unquote, in our times, Christian celebrity or a return to some monolithic ego driven mega ministry, nor will it be defined by buildings or, or, or amphitheaters or whatever they call church today, meeting places. We're not talking about that. It's, going, it's not going to be defined by buildings, big or small. It's a spiritual house that's about to be repaired. It's a spiritual house, and, and it is what we are becoming, a spiritual house. And this has always been the true church. Remember what Ephesians 2.22 says, that we are built up a, a spiritual house, right? A habitation of God. How? By the Spirit. So as we go forward in this Thanksgiving season and in what the weeks and days have ahead of us, don't look back. Whether we or you realize it or not, Ahaz is dead. Hallelujah. Remember, it was under their leadership here in America, the Ahazes of our time, it was under their leadership that God's house was shut. And it still remains shut right now. A, 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 in many places around the country, people can't even meet. The doors are shut. It's very symbolic if you have eyes to see. But the doors are beginning to be opened again. Listen to me. But by the Spirit of our Lord himself this time, they will be opened and repaired. Could you read verse 3 again, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Verse 3. 29.3. Should I read it? I'm sorry. I was, I was, I was reading with my thing mute, muted. I'm sorry. He right. in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. What the Spirit of God is doing right now in this new transition, in this new time, is is causing the doors of the house of the Lord. The very first thing that's going to happen is the doors are going to be reopened. But again, like we just said, don't be tempted to look back to everything that you've known before. The Christian celebrity, the, the, the huge ministries, the mega ministries, the mega congregations. They might go on, but they're dead. They have no power. And the true church that's rising in this hour is not going to be defined by mailing lists and television programs and big buildings or conferences. 
This is a work of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that he's begun to do and has been doing really all along is open the doors of the house of the Lord. But it's a spiritual door that's being opened and the doors are being repaired. You know, the, the word repaired has a lot of meanings, but, but basically what it's being said there is that the doors are being strengthened. The doors that are opened by the Spirit are going to be strengthened. And what is it that they're going to be strengthened for? They are doors that are strengthened to withstand the compromise. They're doors that are strengthened to be shut down, to be shut and strong against worldly influences. And they are doors that are strengthened to remain open to the true work of the Holy Spirit. Second Chronicles 29.4, can you read that, Brother Jeremy? It says, And he brought in the priest and the Levite and gathered them together into the east street. This is powerful because that's where the eastern gate is, right? That's where it is said that the Lord will enter in when he comes back after setting foot on the Mount of Olives, if you know your Bible. That is, that is very symbolic that what he began to do was turn his attention. And this is what the Spirit of God is doing. He's turning himself to the minister, to the priests and the Levites. Note that these are those who had grown up in their ministries under compromised leadership. They're the leftovers. And that's who the Spirit of God has been dealing with all year long, trust me, here in this country. But you see, the grace of the Lord is being extended to them now in our time. And what they were told by Hezekiah, which is the Lord's spirit really moving through him, it exposes how the Lord saw uh, what was happening under the previous leadership. And he begins in verse 5 um, to lay out that case. Can you read that, verse, Brother Jeremy? What does he say to the priests and the Levites? And said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites. Sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Incredible. So he's not addressing the entirety of the congregation. He first begins to address the leadership. He's got to get them in line in order that they can minister to the people. And he wants them to understand by the fact that he says in verse five, when he says, hear me. <laughs> it implies that they had been hearing all kinds of stuff under the previous leadership, and but everything that was, they were hearing was not the voice of the Lord. And he's he's telling them to hear him now. And then the first thing he addresses is their own personal life. God is working on ministers right now across this land. The very times that we find ourselves in right now, the Holy Spirit is dealing with many of them. Not all of them will respond, but the call is going out. You need to begin to sanctify yourselves. In other words, understand who you are and begin to separate yourselves for the calling that you have on your life. Understand that you're going to have to sanctify yourselves now, he says. Sanctify, right? Verse 5, he said unto them, hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves. Yeah. Now, right? <laughs> it's it's imperative. You don't have any more time. You need to wake up and you need to see what the Spirit of God is doing, he says. 
He gathered them into the east street because it's very symbolic of where the Lord will be returning. So it's almost, if you can see it, it, it hints at the prophetic foreshadow. Remember, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, right? It's hinting where they gathered, but the time is approaching where the Lord himself will enter in from the east, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. It's very symbolic. That's where he gathers them. And and when we read, most people don't understand. When we see, like I was talking to Brother Jeremy about in verse 4, he brings in the priests and the Levites. And if you if when you study, you'll find out that the reason that the two groups are separated is because they come from two different lines. Those that were called priests were a were the elite or or above, a, a different class of of minister. They were of the of the house of Aaron. And so Aaron was the was the line by which high priests were chosen. And those particular priests were the only ones that were allowed to actually offer the offering in the holy place. And of course the high priest in the in the Holy of Holies. So the classes are separated uh, from priests and Levites, but the Levites were the ones who would be considered in our time the small town pastor the faithful pastors that had been out there and had been overwhelmed in a sense by a system that thoroughly corrupted uh, what should have been a holy church in their time. Under the grand leadership of Ahaz, it brought them to a place of ruin and a place where the house of the Lord was shut. That is where we are. But now the spirit of God through Hezekiah, a transition of leadership has taken place. Ahaz has died. And in many ways, these big ministries that we've seen, like we talked about, these, these ministries we've seen in our time, they have died. This whole year has exposed them. Now, they'll always have a crowd, but my point is, spiritually speaking, the right to rule, the right to govern, the right to legislate within the true house of God has been stripped from them. And, and the anointing is no longer with them, if it ever once was. They are dead. And a new wind of the Spirit is blowing. And so he begins to address first the Levites, because they are the humble. They are the ones who were caught up in this thing. But now he's saying, listen to me now. You need to sanctify yourselves now, not in the future, not in a few days. Understand the times you're living in. He says, sanctify yourselves. Now, that's the first thing we're going to have to see and the first thing that we're doing and really what God is doing. The first thing that he's doing for us, I meant to say, is that he's reaching. And, and I've been praying and I know you've been praying. I've been praying for the pastors of my community. I've been praying for my, my brothers in leadership. I've been praying for those who who were overwhelmed by a, a movement that really blossomed in its fullness as we crossed over from 2019 into 2020, it was so out of control. I mean, it was out of control, these mega ministries, these compromised congregations, these thoroughly compromised leaderships who, who were stealing money from the poor and building their big mega churches. And they were so important that they couldn't reproduce churches with, with, with godly pastors in small communities. Instead, they would actually rent things they called campuses and they erect these video screens because they're just so awesome that you couldn't possibly hear from anybody else. And so rather than having a fellowship of community like the church was always meant to be, they're projecting their Im image all over screens, calling them multiple campuses of the same ministry. Yeah. And the Levites 
right? <laughs> and that's why I see it here in verse 5 that he addresses the Levites. Because in essence, they strip them of their calling and their rightful place in the house of God by their arrogance and their ego. Any comments on that? No, I think that's I, I spot on, brother. That's spot on. <laughs> you know, I think about um, the, the the lack of priests, you know, or Levites um, in the community and where it's all been geared to, you know, uh, to these mega church preachers. I mean, look, look at the arrogance of what we're talking about. They're, they're creating these campus churches. <laughs> and, and nobody, nobody's he, uh, leading the the uh, the church. You know, uh, it's what Paul said. You have many teachers but few fathers. You know, they yeah. teach, they teach, they teach, but there's no one to show them how it's done. You know, because they're so out of touch with with, with the preacher that uh, that that they're hearing. You know, and it becomes idolatry uh, because uh, apparently these preachers got it all figured out. And, and uh-huh. you gotta listen to them, um, but there's no one there to relate to the people. Like, like, like you know what? I got some bumps and bruises too, you know. And, and you're gonna go through some stuff, and but but there's hope in Jesus Christ, right? That that's been eliminated. So we have a Christianity that that's no Christianity, and the people are eating it up, you know. Incredible, yeah. yeah. And 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 yet and yet what we see here is. Can you reverse five again, Brother Jeremy, to us? I'm yeah, sorry, did you yeah. have something you were saying? Go ahead and say what you're going to say yeah. and then reverse five. Okay, no, no, I, I was just going to say, you know, what, what, you're, what, you're, what you are talking about, that God is taking back what is his, really, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and something, something fresh and new is happening. And yeah. anytime you, you hear that word sanctify, when, you know, the king is calling him to sanctify the Levites, it's because God is about to appear in some shape or form. You see that, for example, when Joshua calls the people, uh, to when he says to sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Mm-hmm. We see it. Uh, we also see it as a principle in, Mo, in, in, in the days of Moses. When God was about to appear in the thick cloud, Moses told the people, to, uh, uh, he, you know, he spoke unto the people to sanctify them today and tomorrow. And let them wash mm-hmm. your clothes. So what what we're seeing here is the appearance, the presence of God. Uh, something is about to happen. Whenever we're called for sanctification, God is about to appear and really take that. What uh, <laughs> if you want to say it like this? The authority or whatever they had, taking it back because obviously, as you said, look at the condition of of the Levites, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and the priests, you know, what we like. And and as as a pastor, as a shepherd. Uh, through the years, I, I don't feel this now, but I, but I've noticed how many pastors and speaking them, speaking to them, they feel the pressure. You know what I'm saying? To be yeah. like these, you know, multi-campuses and and so forth, they feel that pressure, and and they're always finding ways how to grow my church, how to grow my the name, the brand, the ministry, and and that's why God has to come now and take it and back and look at where we're at today in 2020. So. Uh, you know, much to say there, brother. I just wanted to bring that up. No, you brought up two good points there. That were well, many, but the two that really stood out to me was what you talked about: sanctify a fast uh, and a, a sanctify yourselves, like Joshua told them before they went over into the promised land, right? 
Uh, yes. Secondly, you talked about Moses uh, after the Exodus, that they were to sanctify yes. themselves because the Lord was coming down out of heaven to his holy mountain. <laughs> and in both, in, in both instances, you represent uh, sanctification as preceding and coming before something, some great event. And the two examples you gave, both are foreshadows of the second coming of the Lord. And so this sanctification, again, excellent point, and what is happening across our land right now to bring encouragement at this Thanksgiving season is God is moving, and he's moving against, the, uh, uh, if you will, the Le amongst the Levites first. And it's really already begun back in January. It's been moving through through the through the nation and, and, and across the world, but we're talking about the United States right now. There are those those Levites, like Brother Fernando talked about, that have been you know pushed to the side, or like you were talking, mm -hmm. Brother Jeremy, diminished and then yet pre uh, pressured to evolve mm -hmm. into uh, this compromised kind of ministry before everything got shut down uh, because of the pressure of what they were having to come up under. Uh, in, in in the pressure that was also being, uh, you know, pushed upon them just by the fact that their congregations were demanding what they were seeing on TV or maybe the mega church they, they, they went and visited when they when they went to see their sister or mother or brother at some other place. They went and they took them to these big places. I mean, all of it was working together to destroy. And, and what we saw leading up to this time that we're talking about is that we saw that really begin to flourish, whether it's the Hillsong, the Bethel, the TBNs, all of it was being corrupted. And it, and it, it really magnified and, and brought itself to the forefront and culminated, if you will, over the last four years by these political, politically connected leaders who had allowed so much compromise to enter into the house of God that it stripped us bare. It made us naked. Listen to what it says in verse 19 of chapter 28. Read that to us, Brother Jeremy. 28, 19. Yes. Okay. It says, And for the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord. So under that, under that leadership, uh, they were brought low and, and exposed or uncovered by the leadership. Transgressions against the Lord. And, 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 and it came to its fullness in our times. We're applying these spiritual truths to our times. We see the same pattern. It reached such a level that it opened up, uh, if you will, or removed, I should better say, the protective covering around the church. And we're talking about America now. And, and it brought it, it allowed the enemies to come in. It, the, the land is filled with idolatry. That could never have happened if the leadership itself was in its right position and serving the Lord according to the dictates of the word of Almighty God. Instead, as we see in Ahaz, he cuts political uh, deals with the spirit of Antichrist. And that's what we saw the culmination of it leading up to the concluding of 2019 and entering into 2020 was a church leadership gone absolutely crazy and intoxicated by the power, the prestige, and the ego that was stroked as they walked the halls of the White House and placed their trust in a political movement and labeled it church or Christianity. Ahaz did the same thing. He set his sights on the conditions 
uh, of his times and then figured out that I'm going to need power from, from, from the political power of my day, which is represented by Assyria, the result over time was the overflooding of, of, the, of the holy nation with all kinds of idolatry, all kinds of wickedness. And ultimately, like we just read here in chapter 29, verse 5, the, the, the house of the Lord had been filled with strong language now here it says, with filthiness. And it shut the nation down. And the house of the Lord was shut down. The doors were closed. And it's at that moment, if, if, we, if we don't see it, we could despair. But what we draw strength and encouragement and thanksgiving from this season is I believe <laughs> that the Spirit of God is up to something great here. <laughs> What's actually oh, being God. done is he has allowed Ahaz to die, and he is taking over his church, and he yeah. is opening the doors. He's repairing the house, uh, the doors to the house of the Lord, and now he's dealing with his Levites, the humble pastors, who once had a fire of God burning in their soul, who once... Uh, it just simply rejoiced in the simplicity of the gospel and in the old fashioned. That's why I think he calls them uh, in, in, uh, in when he talks about calling them, and and then he begins to talk to them about uh, the God of their fathers, right? In verse five, can you read verse five again to us, brother Jeremy? In, in chapter twenty nine, right? <clears throat> yes, please. It, it says, and said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites. Sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord, God of your fathers, and carry yes, forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Yes, the God of your fathers. Go back to the old way. That's what he was saying. Your fathers, your holy fathers, who, who, were, the, who were the beautiful, uh, you know, clothed in beautiful, fine, white linen that once walked. The, the house of God in holiness and purity that were there when, when Solomon dedicated the temple and the glory of God filled his house. Go back to the God of your fathers. That's what he's encouraging the, the, the men of God all across the land who can hear and the people of God, not just the men of God, but, but, the, but the ministers of God and the people of God. He begins by telling them this, verse 5, sanctify now. It's a definite point in time yourself this is an individual thing separate yourself unto god and then he says this and sanctify the house of the lord god of your fathers that's the next step you can never hope to sanctify the lord's house if you yourself aren't sanctified and that's been the problem but that's changing now because because he's beginning to deal with his church the heat of the times is burning away the compromise for those who will yield to it. Turn over to Malachi real quick, Brother Jeremy, would you? Malachi, uh, because this is one of the predicted ministries of the Lord, fulfilled at the time that Jesus appeared the first time, but again, spiritually speaking, it shall be fulfilled and it's begun now. Listen to what he says here concerning the Lord. Uh, could you read to us chapter 3, verse 1 and 2? Yes. It says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly 
come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts, but who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. When the Spirit of the Lord appears, the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ appears in any generation. He appears in these two uh, manners, as a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. Very descriptive language. In order to prepare the way for him. That refiner's fire is, is, is a, a metallurgic term. Fancy word is that they heat up the gold or any precious metal. It, it speaks of heating up a precious metal uh, under the fires of the refiner uh, to such an extent that all the impurities rise to the surface so that all that is left once you scrape the impurities off the surface is the pure gold or the pure silver. That is what he is saying, and that is what is happening right now. The heat of our times is intended for the children of God mm -hmm. to work as that refining fire. And, mm -hmm. and many of you, I, can, I sense it by the Spirit, in these times, things have risen in you that you didn't even know were there anymore. You thought they were gone. Why did they come into the surface? Because the Spirit of God is moving. The, the refining fire of the coming of the Lord is moving. He's beginning to purify his church. He's beginning to, to, uh, to, to cause the impurities to come to the top so that we can sanctify ourselves by the strength yeah. of the Holy Spirit, deal with those issues. And then the second thing is the fuller soap. Some things are so deeply ingrained that the only way to get them clean is to take the harshest of soaps in order to scrub it and cause the dirt and soot to rise to the surface on the garments that we clothe ourselves with. So that it is removed. So both we, we have an interior refinement and an exterior a proof that the interior took first. Notice he doesn't say it is a fuller soap and a refiner's fire. He says it's a refiner's fire and a fuller soap. Because one works on that which is hidden at the deepest interior level and one works on the outside. But you can't work on the outside until the inside is first dealt with by the Holy Spirit. Then you're capable to work on the outside. But the two work hand in hand. His intent is verse 3. Can you read verse 3, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, he, <clears throat> verse 3 of Malachi or of Chronicles yeah. 20, 29? Yeah. Okay. Malachi. Yes. It says, but. He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons, my Lord, of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then what happens, Brother Jeremy? Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. For those of you who think you're too woke to go back to the old-fashioned ways, I take issue with that. That is precisely what God is looking for, a people that walk the right way, a people that allow him to do what he wants to do. And here he's talking about the ministers, the sons of Levi, it, and, and that is what is happening. 
so that the offering of the Lord, the ministry of the Lord, the congregations of the Lord will be pleasant unto the Lord, like it once was when we were just very simple people who loved God and were grateful for the forgiveness of our sins. And so he tells them, and go back to verse 5, chapter 29. He says, hear me, you Levites, sanctify now yourselves. We ain't got time to be wasting, in other words. The Spirit of God is moving. Let him have his way in our life. And then we are, uh, all of us, all of us, I'm not just talking about preachers now, all of us, he says, will then need to sanctify the house of the Lord of our fathers. That's the old path. What he's implying there and what he's revealing there is that the house of the Lord had become common. And he's trying to say there, you you get yourself in order and then go to my house and, 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 and that which represents my house and you set it apart as distinct. You set it apart, sanctify it. Brother Jeremy, what does the word sanctify mean? Can you look that up for us? In the original yes. Hebrew, what is it? Definition? Yes. It says, it's uh, from the word uh, kadash. It's to be uh, make, pronounce, observe, clean, ceremony, ceremonially or morally, appoint, bid, consecrate, dedicate, to be Incredible, holy. Right? Be holy, all those yeah. things, right? So basically what he's saying is that you need to make a distinct difference in the house of the Lord mm. from the rest of the world. You need to get back to that is what he's saying. It, it was it, it, we we were taken down a path of absolute stupidity, and the result yeah. of it is the nation is under judgment. The people are divided. the The Assyrian Empire of our day is looming large. The global reset is just over the horizon, and the doors of the house of the Lord are shut. But all oh, he he reaches over and begins to say, "But my spirit is moving." That's why Hezekiah comes into the scene, and this is what he begins to do. And he wants to restore the ministry to its humble position. He wants the ministry to restore his house as it is always meant to be, set it apart. And once you have those things in place, now enter it and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. That's what the old leadership had done. It not only filled the, 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 the society and the culture at large with compromise and idolatry amongst the people of God, but it literally allowed it to come into the very house of God itself and, and become a, a place of, of filth. That's strong words, man, that he uses there. And so then he says, your fathers uh, before you, that is the previous generation or the previous leadership in verse 6, what did they do, Brother Jeremy, in verse 6? For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken him, and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and turned their backs. What he's talking about there is, is very spiritual. The habitation of the Lord is where the Holy of Holies was, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And he literally said they turned their backs on that. They did not want to look at the testimony of the Lord or the holiness of the Lord. That is what an entire generation for several decades has done. That is what leadership has done leading up to 2020, flourishing and blossoming in all its compromised glory. It was brought down. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit is revealing and what he has done this year is kill that ministry, so to speak. It has died by reason of its own behavior. The doors are shut, but the Spirit of God is moving now. 
and he is he is opening the doors. He's repairing the breach. He is restoring a glorious church, a holy bride, a, a lover of God, a, a a a congregation of people who are tired of the frills, tired of the shenanigans, tired of the of the you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of the marketing induced products of the of the show of the glitz of the fog machines the 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 big screens and the skinny jeans like the evangelist says i mean all that <laughs> stuff man <laughs> tired of all this stuff right so he says look they turn their back on it but not you and then he then he begins to uh reveal what the old leadership did listen to this read that brother jeremy in verse uh, 7 through 9 would you also, they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore, the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment and to hissing, as ye see with your eyes. For, for Lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. My God. Now, let's just break that down real quick. The first thing he addresses is what happened up under their leadership. And, and I think this is going to sound very familiar to you. Number one, in verse seven, he says, what they did was they shut the doors of the porch. The, the porch is where, where the teaching of the word of God occurred. And so what he's saying is this is this is the managed decline. This is what the ministry previous to you has done. They shut the doors to the porch. It's what they did. They did not allow biblical teaching to occur. That's the first thing that always goes, a distortion of the word, a true shutting of the door to the access of true doctrine, sound doctrine out of the word of God. The result of that is what the second thing he says is they put out the lamps. You have no word, you have no Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the light of the lamp, and the lamp is the church. You remove true teaching, which is what they've done, and you have a church that has no light. It is their actions, their ministries that put out the, the beautiful reflection of the church in these elements that he's talking about here, and the flow of the Spirit that lights the lamp, that lights the church. They did this. Because the Spirit resides in the Word. And once you shut the Word, the true Word of God, the true counsel of God, you, you shut access to the Spirit and the church has no light. That's the second thing they did. The third thing is they did not burn incense. That means they, they removed the prayer life. They have no prayer life for themselves or for the people. And then I could talk about all this at length, but we're hurrying here. And neither did they offer, listen to this, burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. What does that mean? The, the burnt offering was a type of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ. It represents the cross, the gospel, the gospel of repentance unto salvation. That is what has been stripped and removed from the collective psyche of the compromised church in this country. That's an over time, see. But understand, we're talking here, this is a, <laughs> a happy message because it's being exposed by the Spirit and it's being addressed by the Spirit. 
and it's being uh, removed by the Spirit and restored. But he wants them to understand why they were in the position they're in. And he says that this itself in, in chapter in verse 8 is what? This is why he says in verse 8. Could you read verse 8, Brother Jeremy, again to in verse 8? Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as ye see with your eyes. He said, it was all these things, this managed to spiritual decline of an old leadership that allowed the wrath to come. Because that is what's coming, ladies and gentlemen. The wrath of God. And he's addressing the ministers saying, this is serious. That's why you better sanctify yourselves now, he says, because my spirit's among you. And I'm opening the doors of the church again, but it's not going to be like you thought it was before. It's new and it's restored. And he says, you know, when we just went down the list of verse 7, he says the result of this, and as in these times, so, so it is, you know, open our eyes to our times, the result is of that old leadership is that the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem. And number two, he delivered them to trouble. That word uh, delivered them to trouble uh, and to astonishment. That's what he says. The word astonishment, listen to this, it means consternation, a particular kind of astonishment. The word consternation, you look up that word consternation, and it literally means uh, to have feelings of anxiety, to be in dismay, dismay at something unexpected. That sounds like 2020 to me, man. <laughs> feelings of anxiety, dismay, and it happened unexpectedly. That's what he's saying. And he says it was over time, uh, he's telling the preachers, under this kind of leadership and this kind of compromised thing, that's why this has happened. And he says it, it, it's made you into a hissing. People are shaking their heads at what's going on in America right now, truly. And, he's, and then he says it's obvious, right, as you see, verse 8. So you've been delivered to trouble, to astonishment, and, and to hissing, as you can see with your own eyes, he says. We know it. It's obvious. Listen, do not forget he's giving understanding and revelation to the priests and the Levites. And in our time, he's begun uh, bringing a sense to many ministers and, and, and to many believers out there. And really, in our little humble efforts here in these podcasts, We've heard this very thing from various ministers across the land in different places. I've been getting testimonies and, and things, hearing things from different places that the that the podcasts themselves, uh, in our little part that we've been playing, and the kind of word you're hearing today has been stirring ministers and causing them to really reflect on what they had been partaking of for so long. And suddenly they've begun to question it and realize that ain't it. And there's a stirring in their heart that's taking place, as it is in ours that the Spirit of God is moving and restoring and bringing about a new expression of the true church of Jesus Christ. These are, these are ministers and people in the church who know in their spirit. Listen, Ahaz has died. Thank God. Uh, the fake prophets, the visions, the dreams, the false words, on and on and on, it began to trouble their hearts as it did ours. This is God's grace in our times. It's not just uh, to the humble ministers, like I said, but it's also to so many people who love the Lord in the church. 
you have seen, you have sensed in your hearts. All those Ahazes, all that stuff we've been familiar with that they called church before 2020, they're false. And they're over. And and in many senses, their ministries are the reason 2020 has even happened. But the Lord is waking us up. He's waking us up and he's bringing understanding and also instruction by the Holy Spirit to the times and what we have to do. The the king explained explained why all this has happened, right? He explained why we're in captivity. Verse 9, right? This is the reason why your fathers have fallen by the sword. Your sons, your daughters, your wives are in captivity for this. We're speaking to the men of God as priests of your household, as leaders within your household. Understand the situation in the nation, as as, as Hezekiah was addressing his nation, is we're under this, this, this global reset. This captivity has come, but it's come precisely not because of the Democrats or the Republicans or, or George Soros's of the world. It came because the ministers, the Ahaz-type ministry, brought it to this point. And now he's bypassing them, and he's reaching and telling them that, <laughs> that we find ourselves in captivity and being dominated by like an Assyrian-type global reset, really. But here's the encouraging thing. Here's the thankful thing, because he's stirring people. And, and that's what Hezekiah said, right? He said, in, in light of all this, he says in verse 10, what does he say, Brother Jeremy? Now, it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. Check that out. So, again, timing. It's at this transitionary period, this move of the Spirit. He says, now... Uh, it is in my heart. That is a work of the Spirit. It is in my heart. He's stirring the hearts of many across the land to do what? He says, to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. That what? That his fierce wrath may turn away from us. He didn't say from the whole society on the planet. He said from those that are being stirred by the Spirit whether it be minister or, or congregations or you know, anyone who loves the Lord, he says we need to set ourselves right now at this moment to make a covenant with our Lord so that the wrath that's coming, because it's begun, the ultimate outplay of what we are witnessing in history right now, we thoroughly believe is going to conclude with the wrath of God being poured out, not only upon a nation, but upon the entire planet. Hezekiah recognizes this. The Spirit is revealing this. And what he says is that right now, you better right now make a covenant with the Lord so that the wrath that's intended for everybody else won't come upon the church. Because remember, brothers and sisters, we are not appointed under wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hezekiah is now functioning as intercessor. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. And on a spiritual note, as it pertains to our time, you know, the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, like Hezekiah now, uh, you know, the wrath of the Lord uh, has been set in motion. But he recognized that, that it was coming. And so he begins to move by his spirit and, and separate the people by covenant. Wrath was not for them, that his fierce wrath might turn away from us, he said. By covenant, what is that? That's the cross. 
What did Hezekiah do? He returned them. Listen to me, because <laughs> I found this really cool. What he said about to do was he returned them to their true thanksgiving. Passover, Passover was Judah and Israel's thanksgiving, right? <laughs> Amen. Brother Jeremy. Amen. Brother Jeremy, could you read to us Second Chronicles 30, verse 13 through 15? Yes. And there, and there assembled at Jerusalem much people to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month, a very great congregation. And they arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem, and all the altars for incense took they away and cast them into the brook Kidron. Then they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the second month, and the priest and the Levite were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought in the burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. So we're closing now, but check that out. What did he do? He returned them to their Thanksgiving, what Thanksgiving was all about for them. That's their Passover. Mm. He called for a Passover. Mm. The Holy Spirit was with him as he is with us right now and with you that are listening. The anointing, look at what the anointing did. When he entered in, he said, it's in my heart, man, to, to go back to the covenant, return to the cross, return to the Passover, return to the real meaning of thanksgiving, right? The, and, and that anointing that was upon him in verse 13, read verse 13 again, Brother Jeremy. And there assembled at Jerusalem much people to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the second month, a very great congregation. So what we see is his anointing and his call to return to their thanksgiving, as we're calling today to our brothers and sisters across the land, let us come back to the true meaning of our thanksgiving. He, his anointing inspired so many people. It says a great, right? It says, it says that much people came, a great congregation. So the effects of pure, clean, spirit-led ministry, number one, it assembled much people in Jerusalem. See, the gospel will draw them. That's what Passover is. It's, 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 a, it's a miniature type, if you will, of the, of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord and the freedom we get. It's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and we could talk about that, you know, for at length, but First of all, I want to just look at this one thing because it says that they came to the, keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Unleavened reminded them, listen, of their deliverance by the Lord from Egypt because that's what the Lord is preparing for us. We're about to be delivered if you can hear what I'm telling you. That's why we should be thankful. Everything we're seeing, everything that's happening, a work of the Spirit, a return to the Feast of Unleavened Bread for the Jew when he heard that and what inspired him. The reason they celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread was because it was a symbolic, uh, you know, tradition to remind them that when they were delivered by God on the night of the Passover, they didn't have time to leaven their bread. They had to leave quickly. So they just had these little cracker things, right? There was no leaven to make the dough rise. So it always reminded them that, that, they, were, that they left in haste, that they were removed quickly. And so what he began to do by the Spirit of God in drawing their attention to their thanksgiving, he was literally saying, 
Jesus is coming. <laughs> That's what he's saying to us. You're about to be delivered. And many heard it. Many received it. The anointing drew them to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? So let's check this out. And then in verse 14, look what the people did, how they responded. Because once the Spirit of God is moving, this is what's happening right now. And this is what God is dealing with all of us about. Look how they responded. Verse 14, can you read that, Brother Jeremy? And they arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. And all the altars for incense took they away and cast them down into the brook Kedron. Hallelujah. See, this true church, it, 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 and what they did in their time, was they took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. What that is saying is that they were they were rejecting the ministry of the past, that whole Ahaz trip that they went through for all those years that brought them into this position. They were so inspired now by the godliness that was exhibited through their king and then and then through the moving of the spirit amongst the people that they came to gather, all symbolic. It's very much their thanksgiving. And the first thing they did as a symbolic gesture before the Lord and a true moving of their heart, look what they did. They took the initiative. They took those those altars that, that, that represent compromise and sin, and they cast them into the brook. This is really beautiful because that brook, Kidron, it means so much. We ain't got time to get into it, but, but literally it's the washing away of their sins. We were all affected by this, this establishment compromise over the years, all of us, whether you realize it or not. And, and the compromise that existed within the house of God, within the congregation of God, within the communities of God, it's a move of the heart. It's a true revival. And, and, and they, they, they symbolically took all those altars and said, we, we don't want anything to do with this anymore. And they threw it into the brook. It's very symbolic of the washing away of that old. And the new is now birthed. Now they came to their thanksgiving. Now they were ready. Verse 15, can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Verse 15 again. Then they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the second month. And the priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought in the burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. See, the people returning to their Passover, uh, the true meaning in our time of, of our Thanksgiving, it's the same thing. It was a gathering and a celebration of, of deliverance and rebirth and thanksgiving to God for what he had done to deliver them. See, Israel was delivered and became a great nation by the power of of the blood of the lamb it is the same with america notice what happened a host of ministers are going to see this and like them of old today as well when they see how the people are responding to the moving of the spirit this is going to be a a, <laughs> a blue collar christian revival if you will this is going to be people driven this is a work of the spirit and and what, what we're going to see is the greatest awakening we have ever seen, not in the public square where you can define it, categorize it, quantify it, market it, present it, polish it, all that stupidity that brought us to the place where the house of the Lord has been shut, but a true awakening of the Spirit, a refining of the Spirit that restores and rekindles the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. 
that, that brings about the peace that passes understanding in the midst of these turbulent and dismaying times, right? This is a move of the spirit. This is a rejection of, 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 of the congregation itself of, of what the leadership had done to bring it to this place where it, it had lost complete identity with what truly is the Thanksgiving moment, the Passover moment, the celebration of the Lord Jesus Christ and his deliverance for his people that is just over the horizon. This is going to cause conviction amongst the leadership because it says the priests and the Levites were ashamed. This is a people movement. This is God moving with his people. That's what 2020 has been all about and so much more. Like them of old today <laughs> as well, when they see what the people respond to, they too are going to be ashamed, brothers and sisters. Some, not all, but some. They will realize that all their gimmicks, all their worldly-driven di- compromise programs, all their culturally woke, full gospel messages, as they call it, their easy grace, on and on. It was all empty, all vain. It was all lifeless and fake ministry. These are serious times. And the Lord has bypassed that old way. And he's, be- he's begun a move of God, if you can see it, with his people. Some, thank God, will repent and sanctify themselves and return to the Lord. Because that's what we're told, right, in verse 15. They sanctified themselves. And what did they do? They brought in burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. God is going to give shepherds to you in your communities and amongst your your communities out there uh, that will, at this moment, return us to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, Calvary, the resurrection, the old-fashioned gospel. That's what that represents. They brought the burnt offering into the house of the Lord. No more idols, no more compromise, but the burnt offering, a type of Calvary, a type of the cross, a type of their thanksgiving, the Passover. The, that Passover, their thanksgiving, it calls to us now. It really does. And I know that you're hearing the same thing. You may not understand it in all the ways that we talk about it, but a revival and awakening has begun. The spiritual understand this. They can see it. And like Hezekiah and his times and the church of that time, we are his church. And if you'll allow the spirit to to do this to us, we are waking up. We are the Lord's church so that this Thanksgiving, lay holds of these truths. Know that your prayers and the prayers of your families and your loved ones, your pastors, your brothers, your sisters, your husbands, your wives, they are about to be answered. That's what we read here, that all the people, a very great congregation was brought into the house of the Lord, right? And I believe that the greatest awakening, the greatest revival, again, it's not going to be systematized or establishment driven. It's not going to be here or there in this building or that building. Although there may be a building, I don't know. I don't see it. But what we're talking about is the building that's being restored is the true house of God. It is a work of the Spirit of Christ driven by the Holy Spirit as represented by King Hezekiah. And it is a work that is taking place uh, independent of, a, of, a, of those old Ahaz-like ministries 
that have died, died, dead, and buried, a new thing has begun. It is a thanksgiving unlike any other than we've ever celebrated before. And it is hope. And there's so much more we could talk about. But really, it is the second coming of the Lord that is just over the horizon. That is why we have much to be thankful for. And in our gathering around with our families over the next several days, reflect on these things. Take time to reflect on these things and know that that a great deliverance is just at hand. Brother Jeremy, would you close with uh, verse 26, uh, chapter 30, verse 26 and 27? Let's, let's read that. So there was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there was not the like in Jerusalem. Then the priests, the Levites, arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard. And their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place, even unto heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Glory to God. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We pray for your families and your loved ones and for you. Remember the Lord, he is coming. We have much to be thankful for. This world is not our home, right? Like the old song says, we're just passing through. Yes. Hallelujah. And the how does that go, brother? We're just passing and and uh, our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And the angels uh beckon you and me to heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Their prayers rose up to heaven. Jesus is coming. We have a lot to be thankful for. He is restoring his church. He's he's returning it to what it was always meant to be. I don't think it's any accident as we came into this Thanksgiving season, those of you who have followed us for, for the last several months, you know these last several weeks we, we, we spent a great deal of time talking about the book of Acts talking about Paul's journey to Athens, talking about how the church was born and what it was really meant to be. It was never meant to be a superstar, you know, Broadway production-driven, worldly-filled church. It was always meant to be a glorious bride without spot and wrinkle, and that is what's happening right now. So while it may look dark and while it may look crazy and while we may feel anxious, let us look a little deeper and see our, our heavenly Hezekiah is on the way. And his spirit is preparing the way. Let our prayers this Thanksgiving rise to the heaven of heavens like their prayers did then. And let us declare with the Holy Spirit, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Our King is coming. We love you. And we're praying for you. And we'll see you soon. Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, any thoughts before we close? Any wishes for the people? Any? Yeah, absolutely. Just want to tell the people, um, you know, it, it, this Thanksgiving, um, you know, gather around the dinner table, you know, enjoy your family, laugh with them, praise the Lord it, with them. It, it, it's yeah. truly been, uh, you know, uh, you know, we're coming to a close of a year, so it's it, it's almost been a whole year, you know, we've been coming to the people. 
So I think, uh, you know, all these podcasts are leading up to to this day, it seems like, uh, as a, a time of remembrance. So enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. Have fun with the family. Husband, cook with the wife. Wife, cook with the <laughs> husband. Cherish <laughs> each other. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and just enjoy it. And uh, happy Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. From our family to yours, you know, we, we love you. And, and yes, please cherish these times. They're very precious. You know, gather. Even gather the dog around, the cat, whoever. And, <laughs> and eat and, <laughs> and uh, enjoy this time. I want to leave you with the scripture uh, that, that I, I pray it's appropriate. And, and I know it is a reminder of what the prophet Ezekiel told told us in chapter 36. Uh, and I think, and I and I know that it's concerning the end times. He says, I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which he had profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God. I want you to see how he's going to sanctify his name. He says, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. God in these last days is going to sanctify his name through you, through his vessels. Amen. We love you. We pray you have a good weekend. We pray you join us, Lord willing, Lord willing, Monday. And uh, hang tight. Be blessed. Keep looking up. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen.